Hi everyone and welcome to my podcast, A Journey of a Boarding Data Scientist with Joshua Matthew. Today I'm going to be talking about algorithm and but I would just love to buttress on our last episode's point which is talking about the uh, modules and scripts. Just to be clear, the if name condition is there to ensure that when that condition is met whatever is in that body is executed and the condition can only be met if the script is executed mark the word script that is that file is treated as a script but if it is not being called upon executed in runtime like in a shell the whole of that script is regarded as a module so when you import it and call the functions that are embedded in that file it behaves as a module but calling that particular file that python file in a python shell triggers the if name condition that condition is evaluated to true and everything inside of it every command every program whatever function is there is executed immediately so the file is regarded as a script just so it is clear but today i'll be talking about algorithms and what exactly they help us do as data scientists in python and in every programming language algorithms are regarded as a series of instructions that can be executed to perform a certain task or to perform a certain computation not just like a program, a computer program, but here it's a series of instructions that can be executed. So even though we have this series of instructions, we have a due process as programmers to break these execution steps into pseudo code that is you saying exactly how the system should execute this set of instructions. You're telling the system exactly how it should carry out the task that it is being saddled with. Pseudocodes are always written in plain English, almost like giving someone a recipe in a cookbook, telling the person how to prepare a pancake. So tell them how much heat is being applied, when to apply what, how to apply what, and how to mix everything to make whatever the end product is meant to be. So pseudocodes are not written in any particular language, they are usually just straight to the point telling you how the computer is going to achieve that particular task. This helps the programmer to think through the process and solve the problem very accurately. Once the pseudocode is correct, the algorithm can sure be correct because the pseudocode is just you documenting your thought process. In solving the problem as a developer or as a programmer in executing mini programs the runtime may not be too different when the problem changes maybe you're running a program for multiplication the runtime may not be too different if you're running multiplication of a hundred times a hundred and when you're running multiplication of a million times a million the, the change in runtime may be very insignificant However, when you have a large-scale problem involving multiple numbers of steps, then 
there's a need to consider the time difference the time change the time lapse this brings us to time complexity because if you have a problem that is being solved using an algorithm and the problem is 2x the size now will the time spent be 2x the size there has to be an expression that tells how relative the time spent in solving a problem is to the increase in the size of the problem or the scale of the problem usually the relationship between the size of the problem and the steps taken is called the time complexity and represented using the big o notation however a number of factors can be responsible for time difference time complexities such as the available memory in the system that is running the processor in use um, the disk speed and a lot of other processes that are running background concurrently with the program currently being executed so we have to pay cognizance to all of this understand that yes there are other factors at play but majorly the difference in scale of problem really really affects the time spent in executing and computing the problem so what we do is simply count the number of operations required to execute the algorithm and the result is expressed using the big o notation for instance big o of n simply means that for a problem of n size the number of steps taken is proportional to n because of course if it takes two steps to solve the problem then n is equals to two if it takes 100 steps n equals 100 then evaluating you get how much time is being spent solving that particular problem now in order to get a proper expression we consider two constants alpha and beta so we have an expression that says alpha times n plus beta usually alpha is regarded as the sub-steps embedded in solving a problem when you have 10 steps which is your n and you have five steps which is your alpha then b which is the number of iteration you're doing maybe you're going to go over that particular computation two three times you would have the expression um, 10 times 5 plus 2 or 3 which is the number of iteration that is called beta and that gives you the expression for your time complexity so for a linear time complexity the increase in number of steps warrants an increase a linear increase in the time taken to solve that problem or to execute the algorithm we have a number of other types of time complexities such as constant time complexity where you have big o of one that is it could be regarded as big o of n to power zero which is still big o of one because here the irrespective of number of steps the time spent is the same and a typical example is when you're considering um, accessing an element in a given um, array right where the element has an index a specified index if you have a million elements in that array it is still the same time that it will take for the program to identify an element in a hundred that will be taken to identify that same element in a 
mix of a million other elements because it's just going to search and pinpoint it by index. The other type is a quadratic time complexity where you have big O of n to power 2. That is the time taken is proportional to the square of the problem size. This is seen typically in a bubble sort algorithm. Then we have the logarithmic algorithm which is big O of log n where the time taken is proportional to the natural logarithm of the problem size. This is mostly seen in a binary search algorithm. We will get into all of this in the next episode or couple of episodes after this. But for the sorting algorithm, we mostly use this when we're talking about trying to order a list or order a, a set of elements that is from usually from low to highest from minimum to maximum in an ascending order the output must satisfy two conditions first is that it must be a non-decreasing order that is it has to be from low to high therefore the first number must be lower or equal to the second number invariably the second number must be um, greater than or equal to the first number so not to reverse and the second condition is that it must be a permutation of the input. The output is not an alteration of what is given as the input. It's just a reordering of what the input is. Ordering it from left to right, being from minimum to maximum number. And a typical example of sorting algorithm is bubble sort. And this is where you have a set of number and each set of such number is iterated through. Each iteration picks up one pair of number that is the first and the second digits, checks them to see which is the higher and remains that way if the second number is higher than the first number. But if the reverse is the case, it swaps the position of the first and the second number. Then it moves one step to the right, picking the next digit and the one after it checks again to see which one is larger if the first is larger than the second it swaps but if the first is lesser than the second it remains that way and moves a step further continues this until it exhausts the whole list then it waits over and over until it goes through without changing the position of each pair that it is considering part time which means it has ordered the list from minimum to maximum, from low to high. And that is how bubble search works. And not to take too much or overload you with much, I'm just going to hang the boot here so that we discuss other forms of algorithm in our coming episodes. I hope you've really learned some things from this and put it to good use because when you're trying to transform data, there is a need for you to sort them most times in order to get duplicates out. There is a very high necessity that should be placed on algorithms and how they work. That way we will be efficient with data transformation, data retrieval and a whole lot of other activities that are embedded in data science. Until next time, please continue to learn, continue to grow and then you can lead. Bye.